keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total Effin' Marks. I am the singer. <laughs> I am the king of sad style. And I am already fucking up the intro. I'm Dan. Scott and Robert are here. Zach's also here. It's raining cats and dogs where I'm at right now, but I am excited to jump into the show. How are y'all doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I love how you always pictured yourself like in a cabin where you are pouring rain like it is now, but you thought you'd be writing like this amazing novel. <laughs> <laughs> but instead you just are doing a wrestling podcast. <laughs> yes, like, which is really the, the 2020, you know, Stephen King. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all work and no play. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying, Robert? I was just saying, it's all work and no play makes Dan record a pro wrestling podcast. <laughs> this is like, I've been working the past couple of weeks, too. But, yeah, I mean, it really is. It's like if you, like, went into J.D. Salinger's cabin and instead of him writing the great American novel, he's just fucking watching In Your House, Beware of Dog. Yeah. Yes. Promoting yeah, Salinger's ranting about... a podcast. Okay, he's ranting about Luthez and... Why is that guy in the front row not wearing a tie? What's this world coming to? <laughs> All right, let's get to the 10 count. Number one, the Orton and Flair segment. Man, I thought that was uh, phenomenal. I don't know about you guys. I, I, have not, I did not expect that promo from Ric Flair. I thought that that was like the most humanizing thing I think I've seen a wrestler do in – I don't know, five years. I mean, it was, it was literally like the movie, the wrestler when he started talking to Randy, I was like, yeah, it almost, like upset me. Actor. Yeah, it, almost ups- it almost upset me. Like there was, um, there was like a cowering that he was doing that, uh, I didn't want to see, which made it effective. I'm not saying it was bad. It was really good, but you know, you don't want to see Ric Flair talk like that. He's fucking Ric Flair. And he is, but he's been so, spotty when he had promos the last couple of years that giving him a microphone was kind of a liability and it was nice to know that flair still had it in him that that he could dig down deep and meld the real world and the pro wrestling world together and weave this this promo that was it was fucking masterful yeah i, I loved it I, I thought it was amazing that that is a, a great point robert and it's something that i forget it's like the greatest shoot promos find that way of being like, right. Or the greatest promos find that way in between a work and a shoot, you know, like it's just, it's like if CM Punk's promo had become, had, had been any more meta, I don't think we'd be talking about it. Yeah. Like it and was the right amount of, of, of meta. And, and, and something about the silence was like super uh, in a lot of Orton shit, 
uh, during this pandemic. Like the silence has really helped the the seriousness of it. And having Flair there and it being silent, it felt like a funeral home. Like I felt like they were talking outside of of a funeral home. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was just eerie, eerie to see. And it could potentially be Ric Flair's last thing he does. I mean, I don't want to be an asshole, but um, it really could be. It, is this low blow and and what do you think robert do you think this is going to be this is a way to write rick off or do you think this is a swerve for SummerSlam? and then I, he's in randy's corner so i'm i'm kind of torn i think that part of it is they they did the blackout which could have been retribution or whatever they're called screwing with it or it could have been randy and rick work this out in order to set up mcintyre which they've done with with flair and, and hunter when hunter yeah. supposedly put the bullet in flair's head and you're done and then it was all a swerve, and then Rick came out and helped them later. So there's always that possibility. Um, part of me would love for this to be the last time we see Rick for a, a long time because it was impactful. But uh, I, I don't know. It did wash the taste out of my mouth of having us watch that Foley Flair match a couple days prior and <laughs> being like, that's not how I want to remember Rick Flair. But Flair is that guy saying, you know, I came out of that coma, and all I want to do is tell the people I, I love them and walk down the ring with you was like, that was just so fucking good. Yeah. And I would love for it to be a swerve. I actually wouldn't be mad if it's SummerSlam, Rick helps, um, helps Orton. I wouldn't give a shit. I'd be happy about it. I, I actually think I'd prefer that. So yeah, let, let's do that. And also if it was a real low blow, it would have uh, broke uh, Flair's piss bag. It would have been <laughs> piss all over the ring. <laughs> if you would have told me in 2010, that the best promo in wrestling is Randy Orton. Uh, I wouldn't believe it. You know, like I, I, I think he's better than MJF this year, which is, which is crazy because I think MJF is probably the best. You know, he. I mean, like I think, like, like you know, like long term, MJF is going to have a way better promo career than Randy Orton. But this. But the way Orton is doing it is, it's, it's so unlike promos we've seen before because he does take advantage of the fact that there's no crowd and so. He's just making it to camera, you know? But it's that hybrid thing. It's kind of, you know, uh, Bischoff was talking about how he was backstage for AEW and he did his debate. And he said, you know, it's great because Tony Khan and those guys, they don't give wrestlers line-by-line -line promos. And there, quite frankly, there are a lot of wrestlers who do kind of need that hand-holding and line-by-line. -line. There is no way that they are, during this run, are giving Randy Orton anything other than very broad bullet points and just saying, you go out there and you do it. And it makes you care about every time Randy Orton's out there that it's not, this wasn't a team of writers who crafted what Orton said. And there's no way what Flair said was crafted because they wouldn't have had Flair go out there and say the thing about Hogan's calling me and asking, hey, what's it like being out there? And oh, it's the greatest thing. And the, they would never mention Hogan's name just out of nowhere. So there's that an authenticity so, that was to it. Nice touch, I thought. I, so I was, good. I was so, uh, so Man, good. that that gave me chills when he said that. Like that, like it, it really did have like an end of of mice and men feel or something. I guess Otis <laughs> would be playing Lenny if they did a version of that. But um, I thought, yeah, I mean, Orton is. I mean, there's just something so effective about a character that doesn't know he's evil and is doing evil shit. And I think, like before this, my big knock on Orton before this was like, and it wasn't when he started and he was the Legend Killer. I thought that was great. But there was that period, and it was like right around, like right before Legacy, um, where it was just like, I'm the apex predator. I'm this badass. And it was kind of this generic character 
But this new side of him where he's like trying to have a heart, it's just fucking awesome. Yeah, he feels he's, more like a Netflix character. Like it feels right. like an actual, there's like a story arc. Like and an like, actual, yeah. Yeah, 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 like a person there. What's unfortunate is he's basically doing the Seth Rollins gimmick better than Seth Rollins is. Rollins is the Messiah trying to save people when it's disingenuous. That's everything Orton has done since the Royal Rumble. It was, I got to take you out, Edge, because I don't want you crippled right. and unable to care for your kids. I got to take you out, Christian, because you were not medically clear. There's a reason why you've been on the shelf. Big show, you should be doing Netflix. Rick, I don't like that you're out here embarrassing yourself. I got to do, you know, there's a, a, an earnestness to what he's trying to do, which is exactly what the Seth Rollins character is supposedly doing and hasn't done as well. That's a great point. We'll get to Seth a little later on. Uh, uh, actually, fuck it. We'll do it. Number two, Seth Rollins commits <laughs> child abuse. What did you guys think of this segment? I didn't realize I didn't realize it was going to be that bad until I saw the photo afterwards. I was like, "Holy fucking shit. This is this kid's really earning his uh his 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 fucking keep." Although I I hope there's a payoff and it's not like Do you remember when they had that tough enough segment where the one dude who like had like long hair and a beard, he kind of looked like the good-looking version of me, mm-hmm. uh and he won tough enough and then like they immediately just gave him like a stunner and you never heard of him again. <laughs> like, I really hope that that's not the case, but no, we have something very special happening right now. Uh like put yourself in Vince's position, right? He's like, who what's a big demographic that watches us? Uh Hispanics. We know this, right? He's been trying to to get a Hispanic star for ages since Ray, right? And then he goes, "What else is ratings?" Shane McMahon. Well, we have a Hispanic Shane McMahon in Dominic Mysterio. And it works for me, and he takes beatings, and I hope he gets thrown off shit. And I'm very excited. I loved this. You know, I mean, that's a it, good point. I, I think he could be the next Latino uh, Shane O'Mac. Yeah. Robert? I, I mean, if this was child abuse for me, this was kitty porn. Because you know how much <laughs> I fucking hate Dominic Mysterio. And watching him get the shit beat out of him. But no, in, in all seriousness. Yeah, a Republican was, meme is going to be like Joe Biden watching that with his like eyes big. Yes, it's going to be him doing the, the finger point. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting is I don't, and I haven't seen follow-up to it. I don't know how much of that was makeup versus how much of that was was legitimate. Um, I, I don't want to pull back the curtain and see what they did for Hollywood Magic or if this was Dominic taking his licks, which is what they always used to do to guys. You either got shot by Benoit or Big Show or you had to wrestle hardcore Holly or try to make eye contact with Vince. Like something just really fucking terrible. Uh, so it, it proved that, hey, I'm not just here because my dad is red. Like he, was, he wants to show he's earning it. And it makes the match so much more compelling now than it was a week ago. I thought this was going to be a total train wreck. And now it's kind of like, all right, let's, uh, let's see what they got. I'm gen- I genuinely think it's going to be good. Uh, you know, do I think he's going to be his dad? No, but I don't think anybody is going to be his dad. Uh, What's but his I- theme I- song, guys? Oh, that's a good, yeah, I wonder. Here is comes El Dinero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping we- they get P.O.D. to have to record another, another great hit like they did for uh, the Wait, 619 that- song. Oh, that's P.O.D.? That's P.O.D.? No that's way. They, did, they, had a, they had a Ray song. I could have sworn it was they, I, uh, there was. I'm gonna right. have to look this up. No, Robert's right. It's POD. Booyaka okay. Booyaka six one nine is is we are Beauty. the new youth of the nation. Yep. Wow. Yeah, yep. I, I thought Seth, I actually I'm torn about Seth because I, I really love Seth Seth stuff in the ring. 
Um, you know, like yes, he he works a little bit, you know, safer, which is a good thing for his career. But it, you know, it, it doesn't look as you know exciting. But that he did, you know, before his injury. But I, I still think he's a very good worker, and I think he's a. I think he like he really came alive for me during that segment like when he got vulnerable and he was just like Fuck it! yeah i'm gonna shout like when he gets like really vulnerable and not cool like i actually think he's really good at that like he's really good at the breakdown part of the cult leader he's just not good at the charismatic part you know so i wonder if they could tailor that and just make him more of like a whiny bitch i mean he was kind of a whiny bitch before when they did when he turned on the shield and he was the oh yeah that was, I, love, I love that and that stuff. was that was great but then they just they've they've gone through so many different characters with him like he's almost at the point where he's brutus beefcake where he's had 45 different gimmicks and right. the the whole idea of you know i was a baby face and i'm blaming you guys and that's where this character came from he, he needs to pick a gimmick he's either the guy in the suit who's the messiah he's the guy in the bomber jacket with the fur who's kind of a sociopath uh, he's either the, the guy who's mad at fans or he's the person who goes around trying to maim people. He's about five different things at once, and he needs to kind of settle on on what it is. Yeah, I like I, I think if anything, he's the spoiled brat, the whiny bitch, because it's, it's funny. They call Randy Orton spoiled, but, you know, you, like Seth almost seems like that young, you know, uh, Game of who's the young prince in Game of Thrones? Joffrey. Uh, Joffrey, yeah, he has that that vibe, um, but you know, I I, I don't know, man. I, I still have, he's one of those guys that like I know I'll like again. I just I'm not into it right now. This is like the weird time in Bob Dylan's career when he was playing Christian music. You know, like I just I don't get it, but I don't know. Number three, Retribution chainsaws the ring. What did you guys think of this segment? <laughs> So here, here's all I'll say about this. I, um, I didn't watch Smackdown. We were Smackdown too nice Live. to WWE, so now we're back yeah. to So here's the thing. I didn't watch SmackDown Live on Friday. Uh, I DVR'd it, and I watched it on Saturday, and then I got pulled away to have to do, like, just family stuff and right. forgot that I didn't finish SmackDown, so I didn't even realize this happened. And I saw zero things about it online. That's how lack of an impact this, this was. This felt like a watered-down version of what the Nexus did a decade ago. And then when he pulled out a fucking chainsaw, I, I was like, all right, they're, they're trying so hard to make these guys seem like anything other than really short guys dressed like uh, the, the ninjas. It just, it, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. What did you think, Scott? I hate that you could hear their voices. I, I hope the guys underneath right. those outfits that, aren't yeah. the guys that are going to be revealed and if they are, I hope there's a leader, right? And I hope that's the minions, because what the fuck? Well, they're saying it's going to be Tommaso Ciampa. But then, okay. Which I don't think is a terrible... No, no, I like him as a leader of a group, but... He's not going to take Randy's role in Raw. I mean, these specific people in this role right now under those masks can't be the people they reveal to be under this, or it's, it's a fail. They're all very small. They sound stupid. They're small. They don't do. They don't seem to do anything. It's like they did whatever this crazy shit was on SmackDown, and then on Raw, there's no. We have enhanced security. We have police presence. There are these lunatics, right. and then on Raw, they flipped a car, which Braun Strowman has done a couple dozen times, and they threw a brick through a window because they're not suffering enough at that performance center. <laughs> I think the only way to save this get save this angle is. If you're Vince, you reach in your fucking pockets 
and you hire as like five of the guys you fired, put them under put them under the masks, and then maybe have Tommaso Ciampa lead them. Because uh, otherwise, like I don't want it to just be like the guys that are still employed there that they have nothing for. You know, I don't want it to be just like Drake Maverick and and Dana Brooke and all that. Like that that to me isn't that interesting. It's just catering. It's also ineffective because you're not attacking people. And so why should we be upset with you? We don't care if you ruin a window. I'm, I have no emotional connection to this window. I've never rooted for this fucking window or this sound system. Like, so why should I care if you blow it up? Attack guys. Yeah, the, the person that they tried to get physical with was Corey Graves, which I'm like, well, that makes you a face. Yeah, it's like beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> what was strange was in watching that that attack, because um, I went back and watched it when I realized, oh, I didn't finish SmackDown, is what they should have done is they should have dropped, all the camera guys should have run because they attacked one of the camera guys. And it should have just, it should have just been the hard cam. And it should have been eerie and uncomfortable because the hard cam's not going to move. It's just a static still shot, like you're watching surveillance footage of terrorists attacking things. But there's yeah. the weird undercurrents that they have here of like the riots from Black Lives Matter, which people seem to be all up in arms that this is what this is supposed to be. And they're, everyone is, right? they're not saying Black Lives Matter, but yes, it's- Right, I mean, but it's the people have been saying the, the imagery. The same thing. Yes, uh, and they all seem like they're like 5'5". Five, five. So unless this is 205 Live coming back for revenge, I, I don't know what the, what the real point of it is. And nobody seems to care online. It hasn't gotten any kind of traction or buzz or anything. And the most destructive thing they've actually done where I went like, oh, that would have maybe been cool is the chainsaw to the ring rope, right? But they do it when the show is ending. Well, we don't need the fucking ring rope right now. There's no more matches. Nothing's happening. You Cut help the, the ring, ring crew. At the eight o'clock hour. And then <laughs> yeah, let's have yeah. a whole show with two ring ropes. Yeah. Instead of like, didn't, isn't that what Terry Funk used to do is chainsaw Charlie? And that was way more intimidating. And that was, a guy with arthritis and both fucking knees. Well, his chainsaw at least shot out sparks. <laughs> I don't and they, know. They got to tell them to. I, I mean, I get it. You make noise when you like when you loot and when you fuck shit up. But when there's no one cheering in the background and no background, it just sounds weird. It's like it, it's like the end scene of Scarface if everybody had silencers. <laughs> so it's just like ah yeah sucks. <laughs> Yeah, but then at least Vince would have had his... Why are you screaming? (laughs) Are you drinking wine, Scott? Yeah, 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 wine. Oh, man, I didn't know you were a wine guy. Yeah, it's the only thing I do drink. Scott's very classy in a hurry. Very sophisticated. I can't believe this is the same guy... That's because I didn't want to open this. (laughs) Monster Energy Oh, Monster, what year is that? Is that a a 2014? 2013. (laughs) It's very on brand for the tank top. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> number four keith lee's eyes all right i'm gonna start uh this this uh topic this was the best fireball segment i've ever seen you're a loser and i'm convinced that there are no good fireball segments. None. <laughs> like that's what I, i'm like this was better than warrior and hogan at wcw but it was, I mean, it's just, <laughs> well, it's just, it's just too lame, man. It just doesn't it's work. It's so lame. Look, I, I, I did like this, like in, 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 in what they were doing this, you're right. This was the best fire segment. The idea of, 
of Killer Cross signing a contract, them handing it back to Keith Lee, Keith Lee opening it, and there being this puff of, of fire, that's a badass thing for, for carrying Cross's character, right? Right. to somehow have this firepower or whatever the hell they did, mm-hmm. however you want to justify it. It is cool. But since the, the fireballs never hit a person's face, and since this didn't even come close to Keith Lee's face, the reaction of him falling on the ground and spazzing out, it looked like the reaction was, I got scared, and now I'm on the ground screaming <laughs> like a little kid because it scared me because it didn't hit his face. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a lawyer, if I had a dollar for every time a contract got signed and then burst into flames, I'd be a fucking millionaire. Um, that's, that's, but, what, uh, that's what working for the Panthers is like, right? That was what it was like. Work, yes, that, like, we had it near the ice. It was a liability. But what was so, it's so weird is we just finished Rey Mysterio's eyeball storyline, and now we're going to a Keith Lee eyeball storyline. Like This is a Vince McMahon fetish that I didn't even know he had. And it's getting kind of weird that they just went from a, 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 a trying to blind a guy's story to a trying to blind a guy's story. It, it feels way too close to, to do that. But, but they, they did quickly say he is fine, right? And so I don't think it's an eye injury angle as much as it is a, whoa, look how cool Karrion Cross is angle. Um, but it would be magic. cool next Wednesday, Keith Lee just has no eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> no facial hair and no eyebrows. He's just like, what the hell did you do to me? He looks like fucking Titus from Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> but no, do it even worse. Paint it on like Mantar. Like he used to yeah, just have yeah. like the thick spears. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, the, the thing about it, and I thought the rest of Nexus was, I mean, I mean, the rest of NXT, it was a fine show. It was, it was all right. Um, but you know they're just they're just at such a disadvantage being on Wednesdays, and I and I know the ratings are going down, and and the disadvantage is not what people think. It's not because I think Dynamite is an exponentially better show. I think Dynamite's a better show, uh, but I don't think it's like a like it, it's not like comparing you know like Dynamite to like WCW Thunder or anything like that. Yeah, Dynamite's a little better. That that's usually what what I think every week. It's like Dynamite's a better show. Uh, but NXT had good stuff. That's usually been my review every week. And it's uh, this week, I think it was, you know, kind of a toss up. But, you know, the problem is, is that like when you have three nights of fucking wrestling on, uh, on you know, like on, on Fox and on, on USA and then you can get stuff on the network, of course, on that Wednesday night, you're going to go to something different. If you're a wrestling fan, you're going to go to AEW because you've already seen Raw and you've seen SmackDown. And there's just not there's not enough differentiation between, you know, the WWE products for me to want to like, you know, really debate which one I'm going to tune into. I, I want a little variety. What do, what do you guys think? I think the NXT that, that fans were attracted to was because it did feel different. They felt like they had the restrictor plates off and they had a more exciting roster. The NXT roster right now is not the strongest that they've ever had. Whereas AEW, you know, it's not, it's ve- Oh, it's, it's very good, but, AEW is throwing every and they have one show so they can throw everybody at it so you have nothing but theoretically top stars quote-unquote in almost every single segment on AEW whereas NXT you're you're building and you're learning who these guys are and it's very easy to to change the channel to go see the the, the bright shiny new thing versus NXT which a you can still get it on the network so people can go back and watch it later there's not a real sense of urgency AEW that feels like there is a sense of urgency. Also, you know, when NXT was on the network, uh, 
I loved that it was grittier. And I still love that it's a grittier, you're going to get wrestling. It's a little darker. It's not going to be as glamorous. But maybe now that it is on USA Network, maybe now that it is competing with a show that is a little more glamorous, maybe they need to rebrand a little bit. Like, why not change up the set? Why not pump a little more money into it like you do a Raw on a SmackDown and, and give us a different look with the same excellent in-ring wrestling? Also, with all due respect to NXT, I think what they do is really good. NXT as a weekly show for years was was pretty skippable. It was the, it was the takeovers that you absolutely really? had to see. Sure. So you're still getting kind of like the version of like WWF superstars or challenge for NXT because they're saving the big stuff for, for takeover. So you, they, they've never been that week to week, this is must-see wrestling. It was like, all right, I got to go out of my way to watch, hey, this one great match they did on TV, but not the whole product. Yeah. Number five. Welcome back, Mike Kyoto, and hi, Velveteen Dream. Uh, uh, half high. Hopefully, the you know. Hopefully, you didn't send those texts. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it was just great seeing Mike Kyoto back. I thought the segment that he had with Jericho was was really fun. It was my favorite, you know, Jericho moment of the night. Which there were, you know, there were only two segments with Jericho in it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 cool that they have him. He's he's an he's an older guy that I'm actually excited that they're having back, uh, just because it's it's kind of like a nice, you know. Maybe I just you know I don't even know if it's it's that I, it's it's going to make that much of a difference. It's just that I'm I'm glad that somebody who has been working and wrestling for 33 years still has a job. I think that that's more of what it comes from. But uh, what, what do you guys think? Uh, is a good fit for what they're trying to do, or does it feel like, uh, this is just feels like kind of TNA, they're just bringing in all the WWE guys? So, I think bringing Kyoto in was was great for a couple of reasons. I think number one, you're you, they AEW can kind of play fast and loose with this idea of WWE is the only thing that exists in the world of WWE, but AEW acknowledges there's a broader wrestling world and they're not going to pretend like you don't know who Mike Kyoto is. So his little promo with Jericho, like we've been around the world for all these years and, and we know each other. AEW is not pretending like you never watched WWE before and this is your first time watching wrestling. So they appreciate there's a larger connected history. And Kyoto as an in-ring referee, having a ref that has that kind of experience, especially with an inexperienced roster who's not all completely used to working on television, is totally invaluable. Because he's going oh, to point out little things to wrestlers when he's in there, making sure they know where the cameras are, how they're posing, where they are, and you don't have to worry about a referee. And having produced television, both in WWE and the indies, there is a huge difference when you have an experienced referee that knows how television works versus a guy that was just, hey, I've done a bunch of PWG shows for years. I, I imagine it's like the difference, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the difference between like a Broadway stage manager and a high school stage manager, you know? Just about. And, and, Kyoto is the old school kind of referee who knows it's not about him. There are some referees who try so hard to make themselves a character and, and part of the action. Kyoto is, is not that guy until he needs to be. And he showed that he can do it. The one thing that was kind of a, a bummer was they had Kyoto referee a match before he debuted in the, in the backstage promo with Jericho. Where Jericho's like, yeah, hey, if you do what I need, you're going to get a job. It's like, well, he just had a job. He was refereeing a match already. Yeah, that, that was. I mean, they those are the, they make some moves like that that are a little amateur hour. But I, I hope that just 
you know, like they haven't been even doing TV for a year. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, once they hit that year point, they'll be, uh, they'll be doing it again. Um, what are you, Scott, were you excited to see Mike Kyoto? Yeah, I did like it. I actually listened to uh, an interview with him recently where I was like, oh shit, you know, you forget that these guys are just as much on the road and sometimes just as good of friends with guys as, you know, your favorite wrestlers or whatever the hell. Why did they so, get rid of him? Was it just because he had a bloated check? He had put a bloated contract or something? Yeah, it could have uh, been. They they probably could have they, they have so many referees that they carry, they may have thought, all right, it's time to it's time to move on from uh from Kyoto. And AEW snapped him up and it's gonna be it's gonna be very much to their benefit. And unlike Velveteen Dream, uh Kyoto knows to keep his DMs closed. <laughs> <laughs> Scott? Yeah, I don't know. I, I do I do like that he's there for what Robert said, which is like that behind the scenes fan might not notice but he is helping within the match and i also like that you know within like if you throw him in a tag match you could you could make it this thing where he's correcting guys like the young bucks and the lucha brothers and and kind of ftr like you could kind of get that extra bang for your buck with him where you could you could incorporate him within the uh, this guy understands rules uh while some of these other refs necessarily let guys kind of go willy-nilly you know and, and it's just you know, like stay with the Velveteen Dream. I know I made a joke there. Um, like I'm not a guy who's like every time someone's called out on the internet for everything that we've got to completely cancel them or blacklist them. But when you're dealing with accusations about like underage kids, you have to like have a statement being like, "Hey, we researched this, and you know, we we don't think that it's anything." You know, because otherwise, I'm like, "What what the fuck is going on?" You know. Yeah. Especially given how creepy his character is supposed to be. It's fun right. when it's like, it's a creepy character versus this just feels very uncomfortable. Uh, and seeing him out there, I, at no point in time did I feel like, oh, I can unplug and just watch this as a match. It's kind of like, did they clear? Like, I literally Googled, like, did they clear him? Was there something that came out and there was right. nothing? I, I totally get it if it's like, you know, if it was a situation where he did, you know, like, Look, there are, there are, I don't know how the situation went down, but if he knew that they were underage and he was messaging him, that's, that's a problem. That's, that's not just like a PR thing. That's, that's, a, that's a legal thing. I mean, I'm not the lawyer. Robert is, but. I, I think they should do a, a commercial, like they recreate that Bret Hart commercial with the little kid. <laughs> it's like, you're a Velveteen, Velveteen Dream. And it's like, Wee! He turns. He but turns he's like, his head. But instead of in the hallway, it's just in the kid's closet. Get out. It's all a teen dream. I have to come here to tell you that I'm a sex offender. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number six, Jericho Orange Cassidy, part two. I, I want to just turn this into a wacky week of Jericho. Uh, this week, uh, not only did you you have Jericho putting Orange Cassidy over, you had uh, him telling Jim Cornette on Twitter that he is no longer allowed to watch AEW, and you also had him performing with Smash Mouth at the Sturgis Bike Rally, where nobody was wearing that. I mean, this guy is just, uh, you know, he's a, he's a fun time. He's a fun time. Uh, what did you guys think of the match, and what did you think of uh, the week of Jericho? I'll start with you, Scott. Well, if you pay attention, even in his promos, you kind of notice it. This new incarnation of Chris Jericho, 
is a little bit Donald Trump. I don't know if you've caught that at all, but yeah. it's very much. And look, I don't know if that's just uh, what happens to a man when he gets drunk, but it's <laughs> <laughs> something about Chris Jericho or just drunk guys in general. Very Donald Trump. The demo God thing is even that is out of Trump's ratings thing, you know, and I know that Alvarez and all these guys made the ratings a big deal too, but uh, I think there's a little more going on than we think. And now do I think he's so meta that he fucking decided to do Sturges with no mask to, to really commit to that role? No, I, I think that was foolish of him. Um, but when it comes to the match, yeah, let's get to the match. Sorry. Uh, I wasn't crazy about it. It was a botched finish, a, a wildly botched finish. Uh, I felt that, really bad for it, Orange Cassidy. Yeah, it kind of ruined the whole thing for me. I mean, that, that botch, it, it should have been – like, I mean, look, I do think AEW is a better show than NXT and a better show than Raw or SmackDown. But when a thing like that happens and, and you don't really hear a peep on Twitter, I go like, ah, either I'm following too many AEW supporters or there is a – clear bias because that botch was fucking there's sweet. definitely a bias for sure yeah yeah i mean and and i, I don't think that the bias i think it might be justified it's justified yeah yeah i think it's justified but there is yeah. a bias like wwe is gonna have to try harder like like if 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 aew had the orton and flair segments like the internet would be on fire yeah absolutely yeah uh what do, what do, what do you think about uh Jer- jericho's uh e true hollywood story robert I'm enjoying watching Jericho's midlife crisis uh, in the same way like Shane's midlife crisis is raw underground. Uh, Jericho's is recreating that passion of hog wild from WCW. And, uh, you know, it's like he, he's the COVID God. He's going to go out there and uh, I don't need a mask and I didn't get it. The match was, it was definitely a little bit of a bummer. Um, it was what I was always kind of concerned about with Orange Cassidy is once you peel away the gimmick, no, wow, that didn't mean for that fun. Fuck. Uh, once, <laughs> once that happens, you know, he, he turned into a, a guy. And we've talked about how he's been the undertaker of AEW and they've protected him. He, was, he, he didn't come out there calm, cool, and collected. He was firing away at Jericho. And it just kind of looked like a small, skinny guy beating up Jericho, who for years was the small, skinny guy getting beat up. And that finish at the end was, uh, was a real disappointment because that was supposed to be his big moment. And I don't know about you guys, do we need to see this feud again? Like, are, are they done? Do we need, or do we need to see a, is there another rematch? rematch the pay-per-view, if Jericho's not fighting Tyson, yeah. you know, they may have a rubber match. But I, I mean, personally, I'm not, you know, I'm not bouncing off the walls to see it. Which is, which is definitely a letdown. And then where I don't know where Orange Cassidy really goes from here. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I think that you know having him start out hot is is what was what they were trying to differentiate it from you know the other matches that Orange Cassidy's had. But you know, like the reason those matches work is that you know the, the comeback, you know the fiery comeback comes out of nowhere, and if you just have it in the beginning, you don't have that same anticipation. Um, well, I guess my, my point is more where the next villain is for Orange Cassidy. Now they've elevated into this level. Unless it's him going against, like, Lance Archer, I, I just – or him feuding with the Dark Order. I mean, a heel Cody? Because I, I definitely thought last night, I'm like, this guy is a fucking heel. <laughs> like, with Scorpio Sky, I'm like, this guy, this guy's a heel. He's a Eddie, King, that, Eddie yeah. Kingston, but I, I'd want Eddie to beat him, you know. And, yeah, and now they're doing the, 
But now they're doing the Brody Lee stuff. So clearly they're going to keep Cody a babyface at least for the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, wait. Well, yeah, but that Brody Lee thing is next Saturday. That's quick. Is it next Saturday or is it the pay-per-view? I don't, I don't know when. No, no, no. It's, it's next, next Saturday. Saturday. Is, uh, is, is it 6, 6 p.m. Yeah. Eastern on Saturday because of the NBA on TNT on Wednesday. Should so, have been at 6.05. So they're going to put half of this year's all-out pay-per-view, you know, well, last year's all-out pay-per-view uh, on YouTube. I don't, you know, it's not even going to be on TNT. I don't even know why they're promoting it. But Wednesday at 8, you can watch half of All Out on YouTube. I don't know. Number seven, Tag Team Appreciation Night at AEW. Uh, what did you think of the uh, segment? What do you think of their current tag division? And is it just me, or is Robert Gibson look like an old man that's turning into a baby? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, that this was an example of why you want to somewhat script your promos. I thought the promo was good, but went way too long. And there was a couple moments where uh, Morton had the microphone, and it was kind of like, "All right, someone get the uh, get the microphone away from him uh, before something <laughs> weird happens." Uh, Sean Spears coming out when they cut to him, I guess a couple seconds too early. I, I didn't understand what was going on at one point with it. Uh, Is, I Sean Spears like. Like uh, his low key lover, because that's what it reminds me. You know, in The Sopranos, when there was the, she was that lady who was the female mob boss in the fifth season. She always had like that ripped guy she was fucking next to her. That's what it feels like when Tully and uh, Sean Spears are together. That's or why Velveteen Dream's a big fan of them. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, I guess this was to solidify that FTR, the heels and the feud with, with the Bucks, which is which is good that you've established it because without an audience fully there, you don't know who you're supposed to be rooting for or, or is it shades of gray or do they respect each other or, or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but I, I think it went, it went a little, it went a little long. And I do like that Tully was the only, bless his heart, the only one that points out how fucking stupid this is where he's like, let me get this straight. You guys want to come out here and kiss our asses and then talk about how great you are. And neither of you have the tag titles. The tag titles mean that you're the best tag team in the world. So this is all a waste of time. I, yeah, I, I think that they're, they're overthinking this. I mean, that, that's my, my, my big concern with this feud is like, you know, at, at, at all out, do we, do we want to see, you know, do, do we want to see uh, this three way or do we want to see the dream match we've wanted to see for like four years, which is Young Bucks and FTR? Um, is it going to make it less special when we just get those two teams after the inevitable you know, uh, Hangman and, um, you know, uh, Omega breakup. I, I, I don't know. What did you think of the segment, Scott? I, I, I like elements of the segment. I like the people in the segment. I think they could have done better with the people in the segment. I think that um, who's the one who takes the bumps for, for rock and roll? Ricky Morton. Uh, Morton. Yeah, I mean, you knew that was coming, and, and so you kind of waited for that, but the entire segment was that, and I think it could have just happened quicker and maybe in a more creative way. Uh, but I do like AEW's tag division. I think I think it's the best division in the, uh, in, in the world, right? I mean, you can't argue that. Who else pays attention to their tag division? that much yeah i think it's i mean it's definitely the best tag division in the world i, I wonder you know um, and 
th- that's not saying WWE tag teams are bad. They're right. not. There's some great tag I, teams. I, there. I wonder. I still think it could be. It, look, it's it's head and it's head and shoulders. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, better than it was. You know, six months ago, like when it was like you know, kind of this weird, uh, like SCU, like but nobody really seemed to care about the titles, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still don't think it's it, – I don't know if it's totally fulfilled its lofty promise just yet, but – No, but it's getting there. It's getting there. Getting and, there. I, I, and I think you need a crowd to pay off something like that, you know, to, 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 to guarantee that promise. It's when the crowds come back. I mean, but, dude, you got fucking FTR. Do you Bucks. do that um, – now, this is my question. Do you do a – after seeing Shotzi Blackheart and uh, Rhea Ripley, do you – have an NXT women's tag division or do you have them go up against Sasha and Bailey? Well, I think they've already established that Sasha and Bailey are the champs on all three brands. Right. So it can't hurt to, I wouldn't do an NXT women's tag division because all what's going to wind up happening is the internet's going to turn around and say, Oh, well, AEW is doing a women's tag tournament. You guys are just trying to copy them. And no matter what they do, it's going to be a pale imitation. I think having your, your women's tag champs that can appear on all three shows is more beneficial than creating another uh, women's tag title that might just get ignored for several months. Hey, did Hardy sign his contract, Jeff Hardy? Because you could get the Hardys in, in uh, AEW too, at least for like, you know, a few, a few matches. I think Jeff Hardy's, what I saw online is that he's scheduled to face AJ at SummerSlam. What? I, I, I thought it would be Big E. That's yep. what I thought they were going with, but you know, the internet's never wrong about these things, guys. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I mean, look, tag team wrestling is way better than it was fucking five years ago. Um, I still think that, you know, that, and I, I still think the best tag team wrestling that we've seen, like from an entire division, I'm not talking about like individual matches. Cause you know, you could definitely make an argument for the Bucks or the Briscoes, but was like NXT's tag division, right. When like the revival was hot, man. Yeah. Oh, DIY. Fucking unbelievable. That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was great even more recently than that when they were doing stuff with the Viking Raiders and the Undisputed Era. They had like the war games. They 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 had the opportunity, and that was why NXT was so good for a while. It was like we're going to give you all the stuff that the main roster doesn't give you, and then they kind of stopped that. Yeah. All right, number eight. Sad news. Rest in peace, Kamala. What do you guys remember most about the Ugandan giant? Uh, WrestleMania 17, that, that's literally it for me. But, you know, obviously, you don't want to see a person uh, pass away. But, yeah, that's all I, I know of them. Not, not my time. Robert? I, I, uh, I, I slapped my belly at half-mashed when I heard that Kamala passed away. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those great they just... Re- flag over in Arby's and Manifest or something. It was one of those great just, like, like gimmicks that's so horribly offensive if you try to explain it to somebody now um and you knew you weren't going to get an amazing match and the other thing i always think of is have you guys seen the the push it video of the song with him Uh, oh is that the one that he made with his son the one he made with his son where he just did like this spoken word and then singing but it's kind of a shoot fucking sad it's super is that the one where he like has his like son dresses kamala and like talk of, there's one where he has his son dresses kamala and he like break the news to his son that a big sick man is never going to push him it's like real, real i haven't seen that no 
I, I just know the one where there's the song where it's basically talking about like Pat Patterson and the Brooklyn Brawler are sleeping with each other and everyone's on steroids and <laughs> but it's catchy as hell, which is the worst part of it. Like it's like when William Shatner would do uh, spoken words. So listeners, go go out of your way, Google push it. Don't don't watch whatever Dan's dark video that he found like the <laughs> was, but the, the happier fun times when it was just a shoot interview and how miserable the industry was. Well, I mean, Kamala feuded with Hogan, though, right? Yeah, he feuded yeah, with a lot I mean, of a lot of that, guys. That's huge. That's huge. He's an Undertaker, you know, like right, you know, like when uh, I think his his big gripe was that he didn't get the money that he thought he deserved from the Hogan and Undertaker feuds, which he's probably right because uh, nobody else could have done. You know, like look, was it a horribly fucking racist character? <laughs> like, I guess it was based on Idi Amin, which doesn't make any sense because. Idi Amin was horrible in a completely different way, um, but you know, I, he he did a he he did a, a good job with an uncomfortable character. I, I guess that that's that's what you can say about him. And I, I feel bad that he lost his feet. Yes. Number nine. Would you bring back Ken Shamrock to officiate Raw Underground? Ken has been tweeting at uh, Shane and. You know, and WWE that he can show them what a what a uh, what a shoot fight, what a what a work shoot looks like. Uh, he used to fight in Pancre, I think it's Pancrees or Pancrees. Robert, do you know the pronouncing of that? It's the it was like a Japanese work shoot. Yeah, it's I think it's Pancrees. Pancrees. It was before UFC, and he he did that. He was hey, he was a fucking star for that federation. Um, but you know, I personally I would love to see it because I think it would provide some authenticity. You know, obviously they're not going to get Josh Barnett because he's not big enough of a name. But, um, but yeah, like it, I, I, I would love to see it. You know, could Ken freak out and be difficult to work with? Sure, but like, if if I want to, if 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 I'm like thinking of like a decrepit basement setting, I'm thinking of like Ken Shamrock now. You know, wasn't well, he on? He's an he's an impact, right? He is. Yeah, he's with. Um, he was with Sammy Callahan in a tag team for a little bit. What a, what about for a quarter of the price you get like Steve Blackman? <laughs> That's true. Oh, I, my my pick. It's funny. My pick was uh, wasn't it Steve Blackman. I was going to go with Bart Gunn. Bring back the winner of the brawl for Dude, all. Dude, that would be fucking great. I love that. Like that would be kind of fun. Where it's like, oh, you guys want to do like legitimate fighting? Cool. Let's uh, let's do this. Or, or like a. Uh, or like you have one of the these younger guys like kill Bob Backlund or something like some somehow he's down there trying to fight. First of all, Backlund would fuck up whoever they put him in the <laughs> ring with, so I'm not worried about that. And if Jim Ross is there, he'd still be pushing for Danny Hodge, who, uh, in all seriousness, I met Hodge once. He shook my hand, and it hurt so fucking bad. Like it, that's his gimmick is he gives you like the 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 handshake to try to break your hand, and he was like 200 years old when he did it to me. And it, it hurts so much. Um, so I'm still, I'm scared of, of old guys because the old guys I work with where I met were way tougher than the active roster. I love, yeah, there was a time, remember Scott, when we were like, we went to the Pritchard roast and uh, Briscoe is really fucking drunk, like super drunk. And, and, and like he, he, you know, like he was really nice to me because I guess like I knew his son knew me through comedy and stuff. But like, I was like, this guy at any moment could just, well, and he was trying to wrestle somebody, right? Well, he was trying to wrestle Pritchard, and Pritchard, like, literally, like, tried to, like, it was like, get off me, you know, like, and had, like, like hamster feet. Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, Bris I, yeah. 
I think that Bart Gunn, I mean, wh- how great would that be if Bart's like, I've been down in this underground for 20 years. <laughs> Hold the reveal- fucking shitty check I got from WrestleMania 15 when I lost a Butterbean. He's in the background. He's, he's the janitor at, at, for the Performance Center, and nobody's noticed this entire time. <laughs> you see him pushing a broom. They're like, who's going to fight? He pulls back the hood. He's like, I'll fight. <laughs> Dude, he's one of those guys, like, I, I watched, uh, you know, I watched Dark Side of the Ring. I watched every episode this season. But I watched the Brawl for All this season. And he is still genuinely, he's, like, scarier looking now than he was when he was in the Smoking Guns or when he was fighting Bart. Because he's, like, his, like, head shaved and his face. He's like not at all handsome anymore. So, but he's still like ripped, kind of. It's uh, yes, that turned into me wanting to fuck Bart Gunn. I understand. Every time, every time, every every time. Guys, what about SmackDown Underground? But they have to like cancel it after two weeks because Jeff Hardy just keeps on showing up trying to score coke. like he keeps giving every they shut down because jeff hardy is giving bad vibes (laughs) the only thing that's happened here is velveteen dreams selling roofies yeah that would be fun uh number 10 goldberg calls out roman reigns does any part of you want to see this match i'll start with you scott no (laughs) but i will say that goldberg didn't necessarily call out Roman Reigns, uh, like people are saying. So I didn't know that Roman Reigns in an interview in January kind of, or not an interview, answered a fan's question, and he kind of insulted Goldberg for the whole banging his head against a door before a match thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a work shoot thing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you thought, oh, that is a work shoot? Uh, Oh, yeah, I guess because it was supposed to set up their Mania match. And now Goldberg was asked about it recently in an interview, and he basically, he just called Roman Reigns a joke. Yeah. (laughs) Which, dude, I don't know. I mean, really, really, let, let, let's look back at what was happening. Goldberg was supposed to be fighting Roman Reigns at the main event of WrestleMania, right? That is what was supposed to be happening. Yeah, that was supposed yeah. That was yeah. probably going to be – I, I yeah. think Drew Brock was going to close, but that was definitely going to be the end of – Yeah, and then, and then Roman backs out, like, what, two days before? A, a few days before they actually filmed it. Um. I'm sure Goldberg actually thinks Roman Reigns is a joke. I, I, I highly doubt he thought that was, like, an okay thing. He probably feels fucked. And I think Vince feels the same way, and I get how some guys could feel that way. I think they're wrong. They have to understand how serious the virus, you know, is. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think Goldberg thinks Roman Reigns is a bitch, and I think Vince does too. Robert? I'm 80% sure Goldberg doesn't know who Roman Reigns is. Um, <laughs> so he may have thought that's who he wrestled at WrestleMania. And he's like, oh, that guy's a joke. I saw him get drowned in a swamp. Um, for him to think that Roman Reigns was a joke for the, the COVID thing is such a level of just fucking horseshit. Because now it's kind of come out subsequently. Roman was staying home on top of what he was dealing with, but the fact that his wife was pregnant and mm. he was trying to avoid that. So there was there was different levels as to why he was staying home for a company that said, hey, anybody needs to stay home, stay home. As far as them having a match, um, I don't know how much money Saudi Arabia is going to have when all is said and done once, once Biden's president and we're able to leave our house again. But I'm sure if they have the money, uh, Goldberg and Roman will be uh, less embarrassing than the Undertaker match. It will for sure be less embarrassing. And I'm, I'm genuinely excited to see Roman Reigns' return, which I was not before all this happened. But, like, for whatever re- – like, him choosing not to do this 
and walking away from all the money that he could be making right now, like it's going to be really hard for me not to cheer for him, you know? And, and, and also I'm kind of like, it also makes me like think about like Goldberg's body of work versus Roman Reigns' body of work. And it's just night and day. I mean, you could say, you know, Roman's promo stuff, but he was very fucking good in the ring and had a great look. And I don't know, besides like the Goldberg Brock Lesnar match, this the one at WrestleMania 33, and the Goldberg Diamond Dallas Page match in WCW, I can't really think of any other great Goldberg matches. I I never fully understood beyond the 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 hey it's fun to watch him squash a guy for five seconds i mean i remember as a kid if you would have told me like uh hey there's going to be this badass jewish wrestler as like a little like jewish kid in hebrew school i'm like this is the greatest thing ever and once goldberg started i was like this guy fucking he's not that fucking good and i never got into it and he never did anything to make me believe number one he was gonna get better or two he genuinely enjoyed anything that he was doing he was a dude that was there to collect a paycheck and he did it well. And he had a great little run, and he made the most out of what he was able to do. But no, well, I, I don't think he has for a- my uh, Jewish friends is like Kamala Harris for some of my black friends, where it's like, yeah, we wanted this, but not in this way, you know? <laughs> it's like, we'll, we'll take it. It's, yeah, it's we'll fine. It. It's better it's- than Barry Horowitz. Um, <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, thank you for tuning in this week. Our Patreon. This uh, this this coming Monday, we'll be doing Bash at the Beach, 1996, uh, which is known for its famous, you know, debut of the NWO. And there's also a great match with Rey Mysterio and Psychosis. But in between those two matches, it is a real fucking slog to get through. I don't know if you guys have seen this card, but it's it's like they made it's like right after this, there was the demarcation line between you know like that hot new WCW versus we're just trying to copy what made the golden era of WWF work, WCW. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting show to watch. Uh, and um, just to give you some um, idea of you know the schedule for the next coming weeks. So yeah, we have we have our uh, we have our Patreon this Sunday, which is gonna be um, Bash the Beach. We have a regular episode you know, on Thursday. Uh, then the Patreon for that week, we are not going to be doing um, SummerSlam, but we're going to be covering NXT's TakeOver, where hopefully Keith Lee's eyes will have healed at that point. And uh, the week following, we'll be coming sub- covering SummerSlam on the show. But it should be a really fun couple of weeks. Uh, our, our T-shirt, Total F and Marks, is still available on ProWrestlingTees.com. Guys, please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, tell your friends about it. Um, it would, it would be, it would be, it's a blast doing it. So it would be great to have more ears on it. Uh, Scotty, what do you got? Yeah. All of those things. Also listen to my podcast that comes out every Tuesday with Brendan Sagalo called garbage days. Thanks. Robert. Follow me on Twitter at WW creative underscore ISH. And Zach. Follow us on Twitter at total F and marks. Ah, yeah. I'm going to, um, I guess that, you know, like the next Saturday night, I'm going to be live tweeting for the next Dynamite. So that's the big news. <laughs> I don't know why I acted like that was huge news, but I'll be doing that then. Um, anyway, thank you guys and uh, have a good one. Wash your hands. <laughs>